Welcome to the mind of a serial learner. Yay, episode two. This podcast is about relearning how to learn as an adult, which actually I think would be learning how to learn as an adult. Yeah, we really need to workshop that. Yeah, yeah. Really, you're relearning how to learn, but most people's experience is learning as a kid or learning as a young adult. But when you're middle age, old. <laughs> You have to relearn how to learn. So yeah, we'll work on that. Well, we're learning how to make a podcast as we go, so. Yes, which is not obvious at all. <laughs> well, anyway, my name is Praveen. My name is Alicia. Like Alicia mentioned, this is the second episode and we just wanted to set the stage today about learning, but we also wanted to put forth the idea that coding is a platform for those adults who are a bit afraid of starting to learn. It's a great platform for them to use. And we're going to explain, at least in this episode, which might not be the most exciting episode, but bear with us, which is going to explain why we think coding is so good. And some of the thoughts that I've had, and I think many of our listeners might have is, why learn as an adult? Is that even a point? I've got a stable job. I've got a stable career. I've got a stable life. Or maybe you don't, but is there even a point to learning as an adult? And I was just thinking, because sometimes I like to take it to the extreme, just who is an adult? Because I did have a friend who always used to say, help, get an adult. And I always think of an adult as someone who's figured out everything in life. So this person, this hypothetical adult, so to speak, would actually not need to learn anything because this hypothetical person actually knows everything, which I know is not possible. That, that mythical creature that you've identified as a quote-unquote adult, that's like a unicorn, someone who knows everything that they're doing. Yeah, I've met people like that. Usually they're younger than me, so I don't know. Maybe the term adult doesn't apply. Maybe it's just somebody who's like, oh, no, I'm finished. <laughs> I'm done and this is it. <laughs> can call it. <laughs> But that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> so now that we've established that there are no adults, we're all kids. So Alicia, what do you think adults need to learn? Oh boy, where do I start? We could start with learning, learning kindness, <laughs> learning how to get along with others. But I know that's not what this is about either. We're just talking specifically about those personal activities that like you, you think of a, a skill set of like, Oh, I could never do that. I could never learn how to swim. I could never learn how to weave or weld or code or pick a lock. Actually, lock picking is pretty cool. You think of something like that and you also think, and I'm speaking for people who maybe have that thought and then quickly dismiss it as, oh, no, I can never do that. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. That's for people who like they pick it up and they're immediately good at it. But if you think like that, you're never going to get anything done. Like really the best thing that you could possibly do is to re be really bad at something and just stick to it. It's hell when you start out doing something like that. But I promise you that having that aspiration of, okay, you know what? I am really terrible at carpentry, but I'm going to get a couple of nails and <laughs> some boards 
and a hammer and a stud finder, and I'm going to build a shelf. And it's going to be crooked. It's going to be awful. But you know what? I can do it and build it. And nobody's going to get hurt, hopefully. And I'm going to be happy about it because it's more so the aspiration. It's the act of doing than anything else. It's a source of hope. It, it proves to have many benefits when you have that goal of learning something. When you start a pattern of learning, as painful as it is, as terrible as you are at something, you start to formulate neuroplasticity, which is just the neurons in your brain making connections and establishing those connections. Let's say when you're hiking and you're on a path and you don't really know where you're going, you start to tread on some grass and bushes and make your own path. And over time, you get used to that path. And learning is the exact same thing. Get to the destination, but you want to keep going because it's more about making that path than it is about getting to the destination. And that's really what learning is. That was a really long-winded way of saying everybody should learn. You talked about learning kindness as an example of something that you thought couldn't be learned. And actually, there is an entire course and a newsletter about how to teach empathy to adults. Teaching empathy to kids is easier. Their minds are malleable and it's easier to teach. And it's basically the environment that they have probably been brought up in that teaches them empathy. As an adult, you really have to work towards it. But there's nothing that cannot be learned. And that's what we also hope to do in this podcast. We might be talking about coding quite a bit, but what we want to show is that everything is a skill, even something like kindness, something creative, like learning to draw, all of that is just a skill that can be learned. And most adults can learn something that they never even dream of. Sometimes learning does uh, suck. It feels like it's so hard sometimes. Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. There are certain side effects, I think, that come from persevering through something that is unpleasant initially and sort of, I don't want to say ignoring that discomfort, but sitting with that discomfort. When you're tense about something, your breath gets shallow. And if you let your exhales get longer than your inhales, you start to really get into a flow of something. And the discomfort, it's not that you don't notice it, it's just you're in it. <laughs> and it starts to be part of that motivation of like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> I don't understand this, but you know what? I'm going to break this into smaller and smaller problems and I'm going to feel like I'm moving backwards, but that's okay. I'm going to take this time to give myself that allowance. I'm going to be compassionate towards myself. I'm going to be empathetic towards myself and slow it way, way down. And that's the sort of habit that is really beneficial in every aspect of life and talking about empathy towards others and kindness towards others. If you could be kind to yourself, that's an amazing quality. And if you can also be kind to others, like it's been such a crap year and a half and it's quite topical to be talking about people needing to be kinder to one another because there's so many stories of people acting out in really irrational ways. I think the side effects of just sitting with that discomfort and taking that little goal of, I'm gonna learn math. I'm gonna learn how to calculate derivatives. Initially, it's not something that I look forward to, but when I'm in it, it, it feels 
okay, which I don't know if that's motivational. It's just kind of like meditation. Like you don't really get excited about it, but you notice the side effects of it after the fact. And that's how learning is. For listeners, I wanted to point out that what Alicia said about the breaths, it's actually something that many people don't realize is when you try to learn something new and you feel stupid, some people have, or actually everyone does. I've had it. I think maybe Alicia's had it, though I don't want to speak for her. You have a panic attack and your brain instantly says, hey, you're having a panic attack. Is that a tiger in the room? Is an asteroid heading for the earth? What's going on? Stop whatever you're doing. And people internalize that pain that your brain inflicts on you, that your body inflicts on you when you try to learn something new and you need all this energy. Your brain's like, I don't want you to do this. Yeah, I want to look at a YouTube video of kittens fighting each other. That's like way more comfortable. Learning is just like anything else. Once you get used to it, for instance, I found that I always get depressed when I look back at a year and I find out that they're not learned anything. So I've committed to learning something, but I'm at the stage, I think, where I've got past the hump. Well, I don't think anyone really gets past the hump, but I've got past the hump of associating that pain with something that have immediately stopped. I know that the pain is going to be there. And I tell myself, I look in the mirror and I tell myself, okay, you can do this. I know you think everyone is smarter than you, but maybe you're smart too. And then I actually push through that. And like I said, I've got to the stage where I now have more pain if I don't learn than if I learn, but it took me years to get that. I think that learning is something that no one can take away from you. People can take away your job. People can take away your possessions. But when you learn something, you can apply those skills to other problems in life. Basically, if you've learned how to learn is what I'm saying is that you now know how to pick up a new skill, which means that you're now at the position where you've got this powerful force in your favor where you can make a change for the better. And as we all know, the world can change on a dime. Learning is the fundamental skill that allows anyone to survive in a changing world. And it's the one thing that can't really be taken away. It's a mood booster for sure. Even when it doesn't feel like it to have, and I know I keep coming back to this, to have that sense of aspiration and even like little tiny victories when you figure out just even like the simplest problem, there's that shot of endorphins. But I want to go back to what you said earlier, Praveen, about the self-affirmations that you do when you look in the mirror. That's actually a proven antidote to feeling like you're helpless. It's part of that fight or flight reaction where sometimes you just freeze because your brain wants to get you to a place that's more comfortable and you're not as agitated. But being able to... I guess, talk yourself back into that agitation is a really useful skill. And sometimes that's a matter of talking to yourself while looking in the mirror or using like a quiet affirmation, like closing your eyes, doing some box breathing where you inhale for a count of four, hold that breath for a count of four, exhale for a count of four. That's really helpful too. Just having some sort of phrase that you keep repeating to yourself. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, I got this. That's really helpful as well. That makes sense. I think we settled on coding as something that we're going to promote as a possible place for adults to learn. Do you think it's a good place for some adults to start out with? Yes, 
especially if you want to get really frustrated and <laughs> get really angry and smash things. But it is fantastic because you really don't need that much. It may be difficult for someone who doesn't have access to a computer and Wi-Fi. You can go to a library and there's so many tutorials on YouTube. I know I've highlighted freecodecamp.org before, but they really do have a ton of tutorials and learning tracks on their website for even just starting out in like front-end development, back-end development. I'll keep coming back to freecodecamp.org because it's one of the best nonprofit organizations that offers free learning. I want to just take a step back and come back to learning as a concept. I always go off into these tangents, but I think there are three things anybody who wants to learn needs, right? They need comfort. They basically need to get over the hump. And what you've described is actually the first part. Set the environment, get over that hump. Then they need instruction, which you mentioned about with free code camp. And I'm going to talk a bit about feedback or mentoring. And then maybe we can talk about the last aspect of what we need for learning is real practice. And let's discuss real practice after this. But one of the good things about programming in general is other than the comfort, other than the free instruction, is that it's getting easier and easier to get feedback from other programmers or feedback from other people right on your code. There's a website called exorcism.io, which I think Kalisha, you showed me, where you have programmers give you free feedback. And that's not something that you can get for free if you're trying to learn something else. Most people charge money for feedback, uh, but you definitely need this. The third component of learning and learning well is feedback. And feedback is easy or easier to get with coding because the very first step is that the machine is going to give you feedback. You program something, you try to run it, and then the machine says, no matter how cryptically, it says, well, I don't understand what you're saying. So you've got the safety of getting feedback initially from a machine, which is non-judgmental, and it tells you the basic mistakes before you even submit it to someone else, a human for feedback, so you can at least get through that. You can actually be confident that you've got a basic level of feedback before you actually submit to someone who you think might judge you. Of course, judgy people are all around, but many of these mentoring sites, like again, Exorcism, they basically just focus on how you can improve. Alicia, I think we had always talked about the essence of problem solving and how coding could help you learn problem solving. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think the difficult part for some people when they think about coding, they start thinking about algorithms as something insurmountable, that it's just like this like really mysterious thing that only smart people can do and you need a lot of math to do it. And while that could be true for certain types of algorithms, depending on what you're doing, for the most part, every day, everything that you're doing is an algorithm. All it is, an algorithm, is just a set of rules to get something done. That's it. And when you're programming, you're really just solving these little puzzles. And it can be fun. It can be frustrating. Just trying to get a program to work and you're getting a stack trace that you can't decipher and trying to figure out what what is going wrong. Sometimes that is really, really frustrating. But 
for the most part, when you're breaking down bigger problems into smaller and smaller steps and getting over those little hurdles, you get that shot of endorphins that helps you to realize, okay, that's all this is, is a puzzle. I can figure out putting these little pieces together and step back for a second and think about the bigger picture of this. And that's all that creating algorithms is just solving little puzzles to solve a much bigger puzzle and then an even bigger series of puzzles. And it starts to become fun if you gamify that aspect of learning. Coding really just sets the template for much bigger things. So you could do coding professionally. You can just do it as a hobby. And there's plenty of open source projects, but we'll talk about that later. Many organizations are looking for problem solvers. I don't think there's ever been a school subject called problem solving ever taught. I don't even think, although when you get to college, maybe, I think there are a few courses that teach you how to problem solve, but problem solving is something that everyone assumes you can do. They don't even say, oh, if you're smart, you can do this. They just basically say, yeah, everyone should be able to do this. It's as fundamental as walking, but there is an art to problem solving. There's a science to problem solving. And coding is a great domain to actually start solving problems in a fashion that you can replicate now in other domains. Once you solve a problem in code, it actually can give you the confidence to do that in other areas. It definitely cascades into other aspects of your life. I don't want to say that like everything is so much easier. All these doors open and the sky is always like beaming sunlight, but whatever. I can't think of a great analogy right now, but there's like a chorus of angels, etc. I don't mean to say that coding is everything because it's not. I don't want to get into that aspect of, oh, if you have a problem, use technology to solve it. But if you take a step back and just think about like the steps that you go through when you get up in the morning and like the routine that you go through, those are little tiny problems that you solve throughout the day, like setting your schedule and figuring out how to get things done, just figuring out how to time box activities and work and things that you maybe don't look forward to, but you get them done because you have to. That's part of being an adult that we're all still working on there. I think maybe this is the final aspect of learning. With coding, real practice is possible. There used to be a time, and I remember going to a conference a few years ago when one of the founders of a company talked about how it would take millions of dollars just to launch a website. And now launching a website, and again, I'm aware that there are some people who may not have the infrastructure, but for most people who do have the internet, it's as easy as signing up for a website and with a few clicks, you can launch an entire application. You can launch an entire program, a website. You can basically really practice with your skill. Maybe you want to create a schedule for your kids' events and just post it for your entire family. Something as simple as that is something that you can do. And it might seem like a simple problem, but just going through that and figuring something out and you can get real practice in coding because you've got real input. So. It's getting easier again, not only to get instruction, to get mentoring, but also to really practice with your code where there's very little barriers to launch your program to the world. Something like the distance between two locations so that you can figure out a fun route. I think this is based on your idea. Wasn't this what you implemented at bootcamp? 
Oh, yeah. It was find the midway point between a couple of friends who are trying to decide an activity. Obviously, this was way before quarantine and everything was shut down. But the idea being that you find the midpoint between two friends and then whatever activity you want to do, like go to a museum or go to a bar or whatever. And that activity would be roughly equidistant from both friends. We were going to build out other features, like adding more friends so that, you know, you could triangulate an activity between a bunch of people. It's one of those things that it's like, wait, that's really useful. But going back just a little bit to your point about personal projects, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned was just getting a singular idea and going forward with that. And then I think forming a habit and holding yourself accountable to putting time towards it and not thinking like initially like if when you're learning something you don't have to think about okay are other people going to see this are they going to like this initially you just want to get something out we call it a minimum viable product and just getting like the base app working like we talk about it as okay i need a vehicle for to get from point a to point b sometimes that could be a skateboard and then maybe like a little scooter and then maybe a moped and then eventually it starts to become a car and maybe then it becomes something that that could be commercially viable but the idea being that you get a singular idea and you get into a habit of working on it daily weekly and setting a schedule for yourself we talked about affirmations earlier and i just wanted to come back to that and I think something that does stop people from learning is that uh, people forget how bad they were when they first started. So when they make improvements, they don't actually realize that they are learning. So it's very hard to convince themselves, oh, okay, I'm actually getting better at this. And I think we both had similar ideas. And I was thinking, keep a learning journal, keep a track of what you've actually learned, specifics of what you've learned so that you can look back at it and say, hey, there was this one time when I couldn't even start to design a website, let's say. And now I can design websites. Maybe I'm having issues making a contact form or something like that. But I remember this time when I didn't even know how to put a menu at the top of the page. And that's something that journals really help with. And that's why I think journals are useful. They actually help you remember key points in your life. And at least for learning, where it comes in is that they help you remember that there was a time where you sucked even worse than what you think right now. So you must have improved, right? Because you look back in your journal and you can say, yeah, I know how to do this. It's really easy. It's really nice to look back and be like, wow, I don't suck so bad. <laughs> yeah. And want to say also for myself personally, I like writing stuff down just for the kinesthetic learning aspect of it. Just the act of writing something down. I start to just remember little things here and there, not necessarily, and I'm not talking about like rote learning, like I don't need to memorize like a Kubernetes command, like that's not useful, but having an idea of how like a basic setup in Kubernetes works, like that's useful, like understanding the design behind how that would be integrated together with the backend service. That's awesome for troubleshooting, but if I need to look up specific commands, that I can always Google. And so when I'm writing stuff down, usually it comes down to how something is designed, like from a more abstract 
point of view, like software architecture, but that's probably for a later episode. Definitely. I think all of this just goes to show that coding can be a good platform to start and hopefully we've convinced you to at least give it a shot and we'll be delving again into how you can get started. What are some of the setbacks you can expect? We'll also have some resources and we'll point out the website at the end. So just wanted to end with a little tip and Alicia, this is just about how I procrastinated doing the second episode for the podcast. And I was afraid to open up the page where we describe what we talk about, because I just felt like that wouldn't be good enough. But as soon as I opened it up and I started typing, it literally took me less than an hour to finish and I felt much better. So it's not a lesson that I think I'm going to learn. I think my brain is still, I, I think everyone's brain fundamentally fights doing something right now. Procrastination is your brain's way of protecting you from stuff that makes you uncomfortable, but it's awesome when you sit with the discomfort, you sit with that awkwardness of a blank page and start getting into the flow, especially with brainstorming. You can always edit stuff out and we have, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessary to think less of yourself when you procrastinate. I do it all the time. Like I'm a master procrastinator, but there is an aspect, I think, to like when you get closer to a deadline, to having that pressure and using that pressure to your benefit, that can be helpful. For the most part, I found out that the things I really stress about are easy and the things I don't stress about are maybe that's not a universal truth, but at least I find out that I can't really predict when something is going to be stressful. Can you give an example when you say it? Because I'm wondering, like, wait, what do you consider hard that you don't necessarily stress about? Maybe I'm coming back to a coding example, but usually when you are in a job, right, they ask you to estimate how much something is going to take. It's, and you always respond with two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that sometimes you think something's going to take two weeks and it ends up taking half an hour, but the converse is also true. Sometimes you estimate something's going to take two weeks and two months later, you're like, why isn't this working or why isn't the vendor responded or something? Yeah, I seem to encounter the latter case a lot. But then again, I'm also working with a lot of legacy code where that's been worked on by literally hundreds of other developers. And there are some aspects of it that are like, what is this? And I used that metaphor earlier about the learning process is like hiking through a jungle. And sometimes it's just like a series of walls <laughs> and just, it feels like there's no way out. Yeah. So it's funny to hear you say that you don't feel any pressure when there's something that's, that's actually really hard. I think some of that is from experience and I think uh, sometimes I misestimate or I underestimate or overestimate, but right now it feels like it, it's equally both, at least in my stage of my career, it's equally both. So I end up in the middle where <laughs> I'm either understressed or overstressed, which basically becomes, uh, I wouldn't say no stress, but it becomes like a stress level that's moderate. Sometimes I get things done faster. Sometimes it takes much longer than I expect. But that's the good stress where it's like that point in the bell curve where it's motivating and it's not distressing. Uh, is that the word? Stressful. When you have the stress that motivates you to get it done, regardless of the, the scope of work, 
or the deadline that's quickly approaching? For anyone who's actually made it to the end, what we really hope with this podcast is to encourage anyone who's on the verge of trying to learn how coding might be a great way to start to gain a new skill and gaining that skill via coding could actually help you translate that to uh, gaining any new skills. And also, as we alluded to earlier, it can branch off into really learning anything, but coding is something that like requires relatively little equipment. It's easy to find other people out there on the internet who are also learning how to code. So it can be a social activity. It can be something where you find others to help you form a habit and hold you accountable and get feedback. Anyway, we want to thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter under the handle at LearnerHQ and on the web at LearnerHQ.com. Thank you to everyone who listened through to the end. I hope it wasn't that painful. So have a great day. You made it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs>